0: We'll be able to cover all of it tonight, but I pray that you'd help us as we do attempt to look at a very specific part of this passage. I pray you'd help everybody be attentive, help us to listen, to focus, Lord. So many things have gone on throughout the week already. Just help us not to be distracted as we look at your word. Your precious name, I pray. Amen. Okay, well, by way of introduction, I just want you to look at verse number 13 in chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1 and verse 13, just kind of to refresh you of what's going on. In verse 13, the Bible says, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew... Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Look at verse 15 and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of the, of the names together were about 120. If you remember from last week Jesus Christ has just recently been ascended up to heaven. He left the disciples and, and, and all all of his disciples there and he ascended up to heaven and all of them they went back into Jerusalem and they went back to the upper room more than likely it was the upper room where the Lord held uh, the Lord's Supper and they're waiting there the Bible says there's 120 of them there's the 12 uh, uh, apostles and then there's uh, a few women there, the brothers of Jesus Christ and, and a few other disciples and they're waiting. If you say, what are they waiting for? Well, if you look at verse 8 of chapter number 1, Jesus said to them, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus had promised them that the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost was going to come upon them and they're back in this room and the Bible tells us they're, they're, they're there and they're uh fasting, they're praying, they're probably preaching, they're, you know, having fellowship, and they're waiting for the power of the Holy Ghost to come down. Now we're in uh, Acts chapter number 2, and Acts chapter number 2 is a very famous story of the day of Pentecost. Now I want to just preach on a very specific subject, uh, you know, we might get to a little more than just this subject, but I, I don't know if we will. But, um, you know the events that happen in Acts chapter number two, the the event of the day of Pentecost and the spiritual the the, the miracle of speaking in tongues is something that is very uh, confused by people today. Today there is a uh, a religion or a denomination uh, uh, of a church, uh, people where they call themselves Pentecostals and they speak in tongues and and you know uh, the the Bible tells us that Verity Baptist Church we attempt to you know follow the Bible and follow the doctrines of the Bible and have the Bible teach us exactly what it is that we should or shouldn't do or what we should participate in or not participate in. And, you know, I just want to take a few moments and kind of study this subject of speaking in tongues. You know, more than likely, everyone here has heard of like a, uh, somebody speaking in tongues or Pentecostal speaking. Has, has, is there anybody who's never heard of that before? Everybody's pretty familiar with that? Well, we can, we can look at the Scripture and we can study out exactly what the Bible teaches in regards to that. Look at verse 1. Well, we're just going to go through and have a real basic Bible study tonight. But uh, hopefully, maybe you'll see something you never saw before. In verse 1, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, you got to understand, what is the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost was a religious holiday that was held exactly 50 days after the Passover. If you remember, Jesus Christ was crucified um, on the Passover. And He was with His disciples 40 days, the Bible tells us. So, 10 days after He ascended up to heaven is the day of Pentecost. It's a religious holiday the Jews had established in the Old Testament. Um, that's what it's 50 days after. That's what the word "Pente" uh, the root word there is, is like five or 50. Like you've heard of a Pentagon or or the Pentagon, you know, in Washington. You know, it's it's uh, the root word of five there, and it was 50 days. The Bible tells us that this day was come. Now you gotta understand this is a religious holiday. And many Jews are coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says in verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That was all, the, all the, the, the 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 young church there in Jerusalem, all 120 of them, the Bible says they were all with one accord, and I like how it says this, in one place. You know what that means? That they were all together in church. You know, And it's frustrating sometimes when you think, you know, sometimes my wife and I joke around about, you know, uh, Somebody, you know, when people miss church, you know, we we would think to ourselves, man, if everybody who came to our church all came at the same time, we'd have a good crowd, you know. But sometimes, you know, people miss because they're sick, and we understand that. But uh, the Bible says they were all uh, with one accord in one place. Look at verse 2. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, number one, we've got to ask this question. If the modern-day tongue-speaking movement... Now, just so you understand it, the the Pentecostals of today, and it's not just Pentecostals, but they're the main... uh religion that kind of pushes this agenda. Uh, today, they believe that when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they speak in a tongue, they don't understand what they're saying. They uh, are speaking a tongue. Sometimes they call it a heavenly tongue. It's not even a language that is you know, being used on earth. And they're just speaking. They call it you know being you know, just speaking in the Spirit. And they're speaking in tongues. And they're saying, they're getting all these revelations. So we've got, we've got to ask this question. If we're going to be true to the Bible... If the Pentecostal speaking in tongues movement is true, it's biblical, today then we've got to ask this question. In their services, when they have this speaking in tongues services, do they have what happened in verse 2 at the day of Pentecost with the apostles where it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. The Bible says that these people were in this upper room. They were praying. They were preaching. They were fellowshipping. And all of a sudden there came in a mighty rushing wind and it just filled this room. And i got to ask this question. Does that happen at the Pentecost? And the answer is no. It does not happen. And I'm not talking about something that you can do with, like, uh, you know, a sound system. I'm talking about something that happens from heaven. Look at verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them. The Bible says that not only did there come in a mighty rushing wind, but the Bible says that a cloven tongue of fire, literally upon their heads, there appeared a fire above each of their heads. And i have got to ask this question. Does that happen in the modern day Pentecostal uh, church movement? No, it does not. Now look, I've never been to a Pentecostal church. I was born a Baptist. I was raised a Baptist. I have all ever only really been a Baptist, but you know, I've, I've seen videos, and I've looked up, uh, stuff up on the internet, and I've seen these services, you know, and I've never once seen, you know, a Pentecostal service where people are speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden, a flame of fire rests upon their head, and doesn't burn their hair. But that's what happened at the day of Pentecost. And these are valid questions, because if they're saying that what happens in their service today, in 2011, is the equivalent of what happened at the day of Pentecost, then shouldn't we also have those signs? Shouldn't they also have the fire on their head? I mean, look at what it says. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And I would challenge you, find me a Pentecostal church where fire appears on their head as they're speaking tongues. You won't find it. But that's what the Bible says happened at the day of Pentecost. Look at verse 4. We've got to ask this question. What does the word tongues mean in the Bible? Look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, here's where the Pentecostal would take this verse. See, see, there you go. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But keep reading. Look at verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. Now, now verse 5 is very important and a few other ones but to understand what's going on the Bible says there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men and look what it says out of every nation under heaven you got to understand the day of Pentecost was a day when Jews that lived all over the world came back into Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost so there were Jews from all over the world I mean do you see that in verse 5 and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own... Do you see what the last word of verse number 6 says? It says, language. So the Bible says that these Jews, that came from all over the world... They came together, and the Bible says they were amazed. The multitude came together and were confounded. That word means they were confused. And and they were, uh, uh, because they heard them speak in their own language. Alright? So the Bible just defines for us what the word tongue means. Because if you remember, in verse 4 it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. But in verse 6 it tells us that they they heard them speak in their own language. The word tongues in the Bible means... language. If you speak Spanish, you might know, you know, uh, I know Brother Daryl tells me he's trying to learn Spanish. uh, Brother Daryl, here's a test, alright? But, uh, the, the word tongue in Spanish is lengua. And, you know, you might think, Lengua sounds very similar to the word language, doesn't it? Or like the Spanish word for language is lenguaje. And it comes from the same root word. So in our King James Bible, it says tongues, and then it interchanges that with the word languages, okay, or language, because it's the same word. Just like in Spanish, you have a tongue, a lengua, and then you speak a lenguaje, or a language. It all comes from the same root word. So that's what the word tongues means. Look at verse 7. So they were were amazed because they heard them speak in their own language. And they were all, in the Bible says in verse 7, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Now, Galileans, or Galilee, is the local uh, town there. That's where these disciples were from. you got to understand the context of the story. All of these men came in for the day of Pentecost. They're coming from every nation under the world, and they come into the city, and they're amazed because, first of all, they hear this mighty rushing wind, and then they see these the fire upon the people's heads, and then the people they come out and they start speaking, but they're speaking a language that those people who came from all across the world understand, and they're confused. The Bible tells us, and here's why: because they're thinking to themselves, "Aren't these Galileans? Aren't these locals?" You know, the Bible says that they looked at the disciples and they saw that they were unlearned men. You know, they're thinking, themselves, oh, these people aren't educated. These people are fishermen. These people don't know anything. How is it that we can hear them speak in our own language? That's what they're saying. Look at verse 8. And now hear how, this is what they're asking. How hear we, every man, in our own tongue? Do You see how the Bible is just interchanging the word tongue, language, tongue. I mean, the Bible is, you know, this is why I, I often uh, challenge people and I tell people. I, I, I don't run to a commentary. I don't run to a dictionary. I don't run to another, uh, you know, book whenever I'm studying the Bible. Because the Bible will always define itself for you. If you just read it enough, if you study enough, you'll see God interchanges the word tongue with language. They said, you know, we hear them speak in our own language. And then they said, we hear them speak in our own tongue. The exact same phrase, He interchanged the words. Why? Because they're the same thing. when they were speaking in tongues, they were speaking a language that people understood. And in verse 8 it says, And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? So see, these men are Jews, but they were born in different countries, and they speak different languages. And they're saying, How is it that we hear these Galileans? They're speaking our language from the country that we were born. And just to make it even that much more clear, in verses 9 and 10, God lists us for us, the different nations that these people came from. Look at what it says. It says, Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes. Do you see how he's just naming the countries that these people came from? Look at verse 11. Crete and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful words of God. Do you see that? Isn't that amazing? So he says, He, he these people, they say, we came from Egypt, we came from Rome, we came from Crete, we came from Libya, we came from um, Phrygia, Asia, Pontus, Cappadocia, and we can understand these Galatians, our own language. You say, like, what was the miracle that happened at the day of Pentecost? Here's, here's, here's the miracle that happened at the day of Pentecost. Was it that a bunch of people got filled with the Spirit, and all of a sudden they started speaking in a language they didn't understand, and they didn't know what was going on. That's not what happened. The miracle at the day of Pentecost was this. A mighty rushing wind came in. Flame came upon the heads of the people. And they began men who did not understand men who did not know different languages began to speak a language they did not understand in order for this purpose. Notice what they said in verse in, in verse uh, twelve, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, "What meaneth?" Uh, I'm sorry, not verse twelve. Uh, eight, and how we hear men are the tongue when we were born. No, that wasn't the verse. He said we hear them. Verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. You know what the purpose was of this miracle? For them to preach the gospel. Because you got to understand this, okay? Thousands of people just came in from all over the world. Do you remember in, verse, in, in Acts chapter 1? Before Jesus Christ ascended, He said, "...but ye shall receive power." After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Judea and in Samaria. And he says, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So now, ten days later, the uttermost parts of the earth just showed up at their doorstep. People from all over the world just came into Jerusalem, and now God is giving them the power to be able... It would be like if, you know, I, I, I speak uh, English and Spanish. But I don't speak, you know... Mandarin. And it would be as if the Holy Ghost came upon me, and all of a sudden I was able to speak Mandarin, so that I could win, you know, somebody of the same language. You know, just a language I never learned. You know, all of a sudden I'm speaking Arabic. All of a sudden I can speak, you know, uh, whatever, French. You know, all of a sudden I'm speaking a language, and the purpose is that they're preaching the Gospel and getting people saved. That's what happened at the day of Pentecost. And I'm here to, you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you something, that what's happening at these Pentecostal churches today, in 2011, is not what happened at the day of Pentecost. Because they're speaking a language that no one understands. In fact, they don't even understand. It. They're just, you know, babbling, and they're laughing hysterically, they're rolling on the aisles, and they're barking like dogs, and doing all sorts of weird things, and saying that it's the work of the Holy Ghost, but that's not what when? Where is all of the other things? You know, those things that can't be faked. So you can't fake fire on your head. You see what I'm saying? But he says they came in from all over the world, and they were preaching the gospel, and they got them saved. They were preaching the gospel, and they heard them in their own language. You say, well, what about uh, 1 Corinthians 14? Well, let's answer that. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. You're there in Acts... You want to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, then you'll find 1 Corinthians. So you're there in Acts, Just go to the book of Romans right after that, and then you'll find 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians 14 is another passage that people like to take and use it to propagate this doctrine, but let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, are you there? Now before we get into 1 Corinthians 14, let me give you a few things just for introduction, just so you understand. The book of 1 Corinthians was written to the book of, in, to the church in Corinth. Corinth, if you look it up on a map, you'll find that Corinth is a port city. Very similar to like San Francisco here in California. What, what I mean by that is that it's a city that is located sort of like on a peninsula where a bunch of different ships from all over the world would come in. Alright, that, that's what the city of Corinth was. Because it, you know, it was a port city where people from all over the world were traveling in on ships. It was also a city that had a lot of, you know, diversity—a lot of different people from different cultures and different nations. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and he's speaking to them in regards to uh, organizing themselves and how to have church. And, and, uh, and but you got to understand this, okay? In first in Acts chapter number two. The Bible defines for us what the word tongues means. It means languages. I mean, we saw that very clearly. 1 Corinthians 14, nothing's changed. The word tongues still means languages. And, and let's, just let's read 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll get into it so you can see what, I'm, what we're talking about. Look at verse 1. Follow after charity, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now notice what he said. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue. So he's talking about someone who's speaking in a tongue, or a language that is unknown. Speaketh not unto man, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mystery. Now you say, well what are you talking about? Well he's simply saying, look, if there's somebody who speaks in a language, in a tongue, that is not known, that person isn't, obviously he's not speaking to people. You know, he's talking about in a church service, he's speaking to God. He said, because other people cannot understand what he's saying. Look at verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men. That word prophesieth means to preach, like what I'm doing right now. He says, he that prophesieth, or he that preaches, is speaking unto men to edification. That word edification means to to build up. Alright? right. Like the, the it, to, to build up. The word edification uh, it comes from the same root word as like a building and to build something. He says so. So he that prophesied is, is, is speaking unto men to build them up, to edify them, to help them grow. And exhortation and comfort. And he that speaketh in an unknown, unknown tongue edify himself. But he that prophesied edify the church. So he's saying, look, if somebody is speaking in a tongue that is unknown... They're not helping anybody because people can't understand them. He said, "Now he might be speaking to God and he might be doing something spiritual, but only the people who are preaching to people who understand them are edifying them, are exhorting them, are helping them, are comforting them." Look at verse five. He said, "I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues." And look what it says: except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So he's saying, look, if someone speaks in tongues and you don't understand it, then get somebody to interpret it so that the church can be edified. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or prophesying or doctrine. And even things, now, before we get to verse 7, he's saying, look, if I come to you and I'm speaking in tongues, what does the word tongues mean? Languages. He said, if I'm speaking different languages, that you don't understand, what is it going to profit? It would be like if I got up and I'm just preaching, you know, in French. I'm just preaching a tiresome sermon pre- and no, nobody here speaks French. Is that helping you at all? Is that edifying you? Is that building you up? Sounds not doing anything. Now look, I might be getting something out of it. I might be getting blessed out of it, but that's just edifying myself. Look at verse 7. He says, and even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sound. How shall it be known what is piped or harped? For And he gives an example. He says, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? He says, So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue, words easy to be understood. So does he want you to preach? You know, this is why at Verity Baptist Church, you know, I've been to churches before where the pastor gets up and he gives a, a very, uh, you know, well thought out, you know, just... Uh, dissertation, and 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 he's using all these words, you know, and, and half the time you're just wondering, I don't even know what the guy's saying, you know. I very we try to just keep it simple. We just try to preach the Bible, read the verses, explain them, because that's what the Bible says to do. He says, you know, uh, he he says. Uh, uttered by the tongue words easy to be understood how shall it be known what is spoken for ye shall speak into the air look at verse 10 there are it may be so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification therefore if I know not the meaning of the voice I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me what is he saying? he's saying if I don't know the meaning Of what their voice is saying. If I can't understand what they're saying. It's like I'm speaking to a barbarian. He's saying. It's like I'm speaking to a foreigner. It's like I'm speaking to somebody. And I can't understand them. And they're a barbarian to me. And I'm a barbarian unto them. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 12. Even so ye. For as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore. Look at verse 13. This is an important verse. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but the un- but my understanding is unfruitful. He said if, if someone is, he's just going over this and over again. He's saying if someone's speaking in a language that's not understanding, he said, yeah, your, your spirit is praying, but the understanding, there's no fruit coming out of it because nobody can understand you. Look at verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say Amen at the giving of, the, of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? I mean, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, look, if you're praying, how are the people going to say Amen if they don't even know what you're saying? He's saying, they can't even understand what you're saying. They can't even say Amen at the end of the prayer because they... In an unknown tongue, look at verse 17. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. He said, Look, you're doing a great job. You're doing a good job at speaking and giving thanks, but no one's getting edified. No one's understanding what you're saying. Look at verse 18. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul says, Look, I speak more languages than all of you. Why is that? Well, Paul was a missionary. He'd been all over the world in the ministry, and everywhere he went, he's learning different languages. He's preaching the gospel, learning language. He says, look, I speak. He said, I speak more languages. Now, just so you understand, because I want to make sure you understand when the Corinthians, what is happening at the church of Corinth. Here's what was happening at the church of Corinth. Because remember I told you, they were a port city. They had people in this city all over the world. And what was happening is, they were going out and they were reaching the city of Corinth. And they were building their church. And they had all sorts of churches. But here's the problem. They had some Christians who spoke English, some Christians who spoke Spanish, some Christians who spoke, you know, Chinese, some Christians who spoke Hindi, some Christians who spoke, you know, German, some Christians who spoke whatever, all from all... and then people were just getting up and they were just praying in whatever language they knew how to pray in, they were preaching in whatever language they knew how to preach in, they were giving a testimony in whatever language they knew how to give a testimony, but then nobody was getting edified because nobody could understand. And Paul is rebuking them. He's correcting that. Because in verse 18 he says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. He says, look, I speak more languages than all of you put together. Because I've traveled the world. And in verse 19 he says, Yet, in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I may teach others also, than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. Now, let me just play the devil's advocate for a second. Now we understand, I mean it is clear, it is crystal clear from Acts chapter number 2 that speaking in tongues is not what's going on at the modern day Pentecostal church today. Okay, that's very clear. But let's just say that it was. Let's just say that what they were doing was what God was doing through them. Which is not. But let's just say it was. Does Paul sound like it's a good thing? I mean, he says, "I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue." But yet, the Pentecostal Church—they glorify this so-called doctrine of speaking in tongues. Look at verse twenty, brethren: Be not children in understanding; howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, "With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people," and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. That was a prophecy where God has prophesied that He's going to bring in the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are going to be able to preach the gospel, and and go out into the world. Look at verse 22. Wherefore tongues are a sign, not to them that believe. So as tongues for someone who believes, no, but to them that believe, not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe, not, but for them which believe. Look at verse 23. If therefore the whole church become together. So now He's going to... He, he went through the last 22 verses and he's explaining to them what's wrong with what they're doing. He's saying, no one understands what you're doing. They don't understand what you're saying. They can't even say amen after the prayer. They're saying, look, if somebody speaks in tongues and nobody understands it, look, pray to yourself, you know, you know, worship in yourself, but don't do it out loud because you're not edifying anybody. Now in verse 23, he's going to begin to explain to them how to fix the problem. Look at verse 23. If therefore the whole church become together in into one place, that's called the church service, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Notice what he's saying. He's saying, look, if somebody walks in who's not saved to your church service, and you got one person, you know, saying this and one person saying that, and, and they're speaking in tongues, you know, they're speaking in that language, and someone's speaking that language, and people are just doing whatever. Aren't people gonna say, Man, you're crazy? You know, that's what's going on in these Pentecostal churches. I mean, have you ever seen church... I've seen some of these churches you know, the, pack, the guy's preaching, and then people are just standing up and waving their hands and, and saying all sorts of things and speaking in tongues. And people, I mean, they're running around the, you know, the, the church building there, and they're high-fiving, and they're just screaming and yelling. And I mean, it looks like, like some sort of a weird show, you know? I mean, but that's what Paul... He's saying, look, will they not say that you are mad? In verse 23, that's what Paul said. But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not... Or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Look at verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, Let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. So he's saying, look, if if someone speaks an unknown tongue, you know, make sure there's at least two or three people who can understand what he's saying, and then have somebody interpret. You know, I've been to church services before, or like, sometimes, you know, uh, a missionary will have like a pastor come in who maybe doesn't speak the language, and he'll preach, and then someone will interpret. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, that's fine. You know, do that. He said, use an interpreter. If you want somebody to say something and people don't understand what he's saying, then use an interpreter. But look at verse 28. But if there be no interpreter, so there's no one that can interpret for them, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and that all may be comforted. Look down at verse 32. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Now, it's not a coincidence that that verse is right there. The Bible says, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. you know what that means? That means that God is never going to force you to do something. That means that God is never, the Holy Spirit of God is never going to, you know, just make you stand up and start saying something you don't understand, or start doing something. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means that the spirit will do what, you know, I don't get up to preach unless I want to get up to preach. What I say, and sometimes the Holy Spirit of God will come upon a preacher, and He will, uh, you know, speak through you, and we understand that, and that's very biblical, but... That happens because you allow that to happen. But this doctrine that the Holy Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and all of a sudden you're going to be saying words, you know, and this is what these Pentecostals say. They'll they'll speak in tongues. And then all of a sudden they'll like pass out. And they'll wake up and they'll be like, I don't even remember what happened. Well, that's that's not biblical. Verse 32 says, And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. He's saying, You're not going to have a spirit that's going to just take over. Look at verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. My Bible says God is not the author of confusion. Do you think God is pleased with a church service where people are just standing up, speaking in tongues, this guy's speaking in tongues, that person is falling over, they, they're smacking this guy on the head, and he's falling over, and he's shaking, and this other guy's do You think God's pleased with that? The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. Look at verse 40, drop down to verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in you're talking about the God who set the stars and the planets and their courses and you know you're talking about the God who set the seasons and the hours upon the days and the years upon the years you're talking about the God that set our molecular structure in order who set this entire earth and the organization and, and, and everything about this the universe in order and that God wants his church to be run decently and in order like, I'm not saying that you know the Holy Spirit can't come. And look, you know, right now we're kind of having a Bible study, and you know, but sometimes we're preaching a sermon, and we get into it, and we're screaming and we're yelling, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the Bible says, "Cry aloud and spare not; lift up thy voice like a trumpet." The Bible says that we're supposed to be loud when we preach, and we understand that. But it ought to be done with the prophet having his spirit in subjection. You should never, you should never not be in the driver's seat. Is what I'm saying. You should constantly be in control of your own body. You you, you may ask the question, okay, Pastor Jimenez, so we saw there in Acts 1, I mean, it's very clear. I don't know that anybody could disagree with that. When they were speaking in tongues, they were speaking another language, and the people from the other countries could understand what they were saying. And by the way, we read there at the beginning, uh, when we read the entire chapter, 3,000 people got saved and baptized because of the day of Pentecost. They are preaching the gospel. You say, okay, so we see here in 1 Corinthians 14 that he's just explaining to them at this church that has so many different cultures and so many different languages. He's explaining to them that they need to set an interpreter. They need to have an order of service. They need to have it in decency. They need to, you know, people can't just be standing up and just, okay, it's my turn now. And they're speaking. They're saying, and then the other guy, oh, no, no, it's my turn now. And they're just speaking. They're, he says, you know, people are going to think you're mad. But you may ask, well, what is really happening at these Pentecostal churches? Now, let me tell you this. I've led many Pentecostals to the Lord. You know, got them saved and showed them this. I had a good friend. One of the uh, when I was in the Air Force, I had a real good friend who was a devout Pentecostal. And I asked him. I said, "Have you ever spoken in tongues?" And he said, "I never have." And I and I said, "Why not?" And he said, "Well, I've always really wanted to." He said, I really wanted to. And they just tell you, you know, you just got to really pray, and you really want it, and you just kind of get into it, you know. And, and, and I've always wanted to speak in tongues, but it's just never happened. And I said, well, do you think a lot of people are faking it? And he said, I don't know. And here's the honest truth. I don't think they're faking it. Now, I think some are. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are some who are faking it. But for the most part, I don't think they're faking it. Because, you know, I've watched a lot of video of these Pentecostals speaking in tongues, and it, honestly, it looks like they're not faking it. It looks like they really are not in the driver's seat. It looks like they really are just speaking, you know? But here's what you've got to understand, okay? The Bible must be the basis of everything we believe. I believe every answer for life's questions are found in the Bible. The Bible will tell us, you know, what we must know. Now, go through to Matthew chapter number 17. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter number 17. I do not believe that a lot of these Pentecostals are faking what they're... What they're doing. You say, well then, what is happening? Well, here's what you got to understand, okay? And I've read the entire Bible cover to cover, multiple times. And if you can find another example, then, you know, show it to me. But the only time in the entire Bible you will ever find somebody speaking when they're not in control, or doing something and they're not doing it, is when they're demon-possessed, period. You will never find any other time in the Bible. You want to see an example? Look at Matthew 17. Look at verse 14. I'll give you two examples. There's multiple examples all over the Bible. But Matthew chapter number 17 and verse 14, the Bible says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sorvex. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. So he's saying, look, my son just kind of, just often he just throws himself into the fire. He just falls into the water. He's just hurting himself. Look at verse 16. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And look at verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the devil. So what was his problem? He had a devil. He was demon-possessed. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. So this kid is just being thrown into the fire. You think he wants to throw himself into the fire? No, he doesn't. He's just being thrown into the water. You think he wants to drown? No, he doesn't. But the problem was he wasn't controlling his own body because, because he had a devil. Let me show you another example. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 8. You're there in Matthew 17. Look at Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew 8:28. 8, the Bible says... And when he was come to the other side, in the country of the uh, Gergesenes, there met him too possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear, so that no man might pass by the way. And behold, they, so who's they? The devils. They cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now who's speaking? Are, are these men speaking? No, they are not. The devils are speaking. They're saying, You know, what are we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come to torment us before the time? You know, they're, de- they're demons. They're fallen angels. Look at verse 30. And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, if thou, cast, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And then when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the water. So we see there are two examples, and there's multiple examples. I just wanted to show you two for lack of time. But the only time in the Bible you find somebody speaking, and they're not talking, it's somebody else talking. The only time you find someone moving, doing something, and it's not them deciding to do it, they're always demon possessed. Because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The Bible says that God has given us liberty, God has given us individual liberty. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And God, I'm telling you, God will never just reach down from heaven and just grab you and force you to do something. God will never reach down from heaven and grab you and start moving your mouth and make you say something. God will only move in you as you allow him to move in you. But these Pentecostals, I'm telling you, they're either faking it or they're demon-possessed. But they're not, it's not biblical. Because the, and people say, Well, I experienced it. Well, look, what you experience doesn't match up to what the Bible says, so you must be experiencing something different. Now, I'm not saying that you didn't come, become overtaken by a spirit, I'm just saying it's not the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Go back to Acts chapter number 2. Let's just read those verses for review so you can really sink down into your head. Verse 1 And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire as it sat upon each of them. Now look, if I saw the fire in people's heads, I'd believe. But I've never seen it. And they were all with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven now when this was noised abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled saying one to another behold are not all these which speak Galileans and how hear we every man in our own tongue when we were born Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and in Cappadocia and Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Greeks and Arabians we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another what meaneth this. Isn't that amazing? When you really just study the Bible, just take the time to read through the scripture and really look at it. You see, the Bible, you know, it'll teach us what we must believe. You say, why why are you a Baptist? Why are you not a Pentecostal? Well here's number one reason why I'm not a Pentecostal. I could show you many other reasons. And I'm not attacking the Pentecostals. You know, it just happened to be that we're in Acts chapter number two tonight. Last week, we were in Acts chapter number 1. The week before that, we were in John 21. The week before that, we were in John 20. We're just preaching through the Bible and preaching it subject by subject. You know, it's not that we hate Pentecostals or whatever. You know, it's just the subject we happen to be in. I'm going to preach the the truth to you. But, you know, we've got to understand that what's happening in these these Pentecostal speaking in tongues movements is not of God. Period. Because the Bible says that it was a sign. Given, uh, letting them know that the Spirit of God had came down, and it happened again later on when the power of the Holy Ghost came upon the Gentiles. They also spoke in tongues, and um, you know we'll get to that in a, about ten weeks or whatever when we're in that uh, in that passage there. But let's go ahead and bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Give me, Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for Wednesday nights, where we can just really take time to go through a passage, verse by verse. And really study it out and try to make sense out of it and understand it. And Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit who allows us and guides us in all truth and teaches us the Bible. Help everybody here to just be determined to be Bible students. And help us at our church as we endeavor to teach the Bible to people. And help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen.